You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Yeah, very excited to get to um, be part of the the teaching series on Psalms this summer. Um, For those of you I don't know, um, my name is Marcus. I'm one of the elders here at Sovereign Hope and uh, just excited to um, get to, um, number one, um, participate in teaching because that's what uh, God calls elders to do. It's being a part of this teaching ministry and then also just thankful that um, Adam got to go away and um, be with his family and be totally there. And um, I know that he loves to teach, and I know that that's his gift, but to give him a, a couple Sundays of rest is a, is a blessing as well. Um, so we're teaching through the Psalms that are, uh, not Psalms, <laughs> just kidding. We're teaching through the uh, parables, that's what they're called. We're teaching through the parables in the book of uh, Luke. Uh, last week, um, McLeod gave us a really good introduction into Psalm, into good, am I going to do that the whole time, I wonder, uh, into the into the parables. Uh, so rather than try to like recreate that entire um, lesson for you guys, um, I think we're going to put up a QR code that's going to come up here that takes you to notes and to, to sermons at the end of this. So um, I just want to point you back to that um, last week. You did a really good job setting the stage for um, what the parables are, what they're used for. Um, But I do want to give you just a couple bullet points of recap. Um, So last week, McLeod told us that the purpose of parables is to hide the purpose of the kingdom from some, but to reveal the purposes of the kingdom to others. Um, So for those that want to hear, parables are a teaching tool to train us to spiritualize common things, real-life illustrations set along a biblical truth to give an example. But for those with hard hearts who don't want to hear, Parables are a type of judgment um, where the truth of God is hidden from those who have habitually rejected um, the teaching of God, and their hearts are hard, and they don't want to hear from God. Um, so Luke 8 says, And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, Jesus said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Um, and Parables and like this mindset of uh, of God, who um, this isn't a new thing. So, yes, Jesus teaches in parables, but it's consistent with how God has spoken to His people um, all throughout His uh, interaction with them when they've rejected um, His teaching, or uh, through His through not only Jesus but also through the prophets as well. So in Isaiah six it says, "And I've heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us?" And then I said, Isaiah said, um, "Here I am, send me." And then God said, go and say this to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. So uh, God had continued to tell his people, come to me. Don't go to Egypt. Don't run to these other um, places of security. Come to me. Come to me. And they rejected that, and they continue to run to idols and to other military alliances. And so as Isaiah is lifted up as a prophet, um, he's given the same instruction. He's, he said, go and talk to these people. Um, the ones that will hear you, that's great. Those, they're going to listen to you. But those whose uh, hearts are hard towards me, um, they're going to be blinded as a, as a um, type of judgment. So I hope that that sets the stage for the, the parables uh, this morning. And um, again, the, the introduction from McLeod last week was, was excellent. So I would point you there. Um, tonight, uh, tonight, today, we're going to uh, look at Luke uh, chapter 14, verses 1 through 24. Um, so to set up this, this text, uh, all of this, these events that are happening um, happen on one single Sabbath night dinner. Um, so Jesus is invited over to, uh, to one of the Pharisees' homes. He's an invited guest. And this text kind of unfolds in a series of four episodes. Um, and all of it's in this one night. Um, there's some narrative that happens where Jesus is just talking to people, and then there are two parables that are taught. One's the parable of the wedding feast, and one's the parable of the banquet. So we're just going to go through all of that um, text. Um, and for each of those episodes, I'm going to kind of highlight a... Um, well, let me say this part first. So the main point of the text is this. The kingdom of God establishes a great reversal where honor is no longer achieved through human effort, but through humble submission to God, demonstrated or lived out by a willingness to serve without excuse those who are unable to repay. So again, the kingdom of God establishes a great reversal 
where honor is no longer achieved through human effort, but through humble submission to God, demonstrated by a willingness to serve without excuse those who are unable to pay. So for each of these four episodes that we're going to see at the dinner, um, I'm going to highlight how the great reversal applies or how that great reversal is playing out. Um, A spiritual principle, so we know that parables use everyday occurrences to teach a um, spiritual principle. So we're going to look at the spiritual principle there. And then we're going to see um, what do we learn about Jesus or how do we see him in, um, in each of these uh, episodes. And we're just going to read through them as we go. Um, so I'm going to pray for us, and then we can jump into to the, the text. Let's pray. Um, Father, I pray that uh, you would make the Holy Spirit um, active here um, among us today. God, I pray that you would um, guide my words, um, use the Holy Spirit to bring to mind um, both the things that you have laid on my heart in advance and just anything that um, is due. Um, Help me to just speak clearly. um, Help me to be humble. And um, I'm just honored and um, thankful to be used by you um, to speak to your people here. Uh, God, for all the people that are here with us, um, I pray that you would open their eyes, that you would soften their hearts, um, and that you would um, just help them to uh, see past any... um, mistakes or mumblings or um, misspeaking that I have, that I bring, and that you would help them to very clearly see the truths that you want them um, to see, that you brought them here this morning to hear. Um, I have confidence that um, that's what you're going to do, and um, I just ask that you would um, help that to be what's true about our time together this morning. So I ask all these things in Christ's name, amen. All right, so let's dig into episode one. Uh, This is verse one through six. And it says, uh, Jesus does good to both the naturally excluded and those who oppose him. So verse 1 through 6 say this. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. So just as a little bit of explanation, we can walk through um, some of the key points there. Um, So Jesus has been invited over to the house of this Pharisee for a Sabbath dinner. Um, I tried to do a little bit of research to try to figure out what would this night be like. Um, So I just, you know, went to Google, typed in Sabbath dinner like we all would. And it brought up this article about um, present day. So kind of speaking to us, like, hey, what if your coworker is a um, devout Jew and invites you over for a Sabbath dinner? What should you expect? And um, I started to get a little stressed. So it was, uh, don't call in advance to see what time you, can, you should get there because they can't answer the phone. When you get there, don't accidentally turn out the lights because they have turned on all the lights and they can't turn them back on if you accidentally turn them off. Um, here's what you should wear. Um, make sure you're ready to participate in this very ceremonial hand-washing type um, experience. If you want to bring a gift or a, a bottle of wine, make sure it has this label on it and says these things and does have these ingredients. So um, as the night is kicking off and as Jesus is an invited guest, I'm almost picturing him going through a lot of that very stressful stuff like, hey, Jesus, we want you to come to our dinner. Make sure you do this, 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 wear this, wash your hands. And so he gets there, and he's going through all of these um, ceremonies, and then um, this man, uh, I'm sorry, so Jesus is this invited guest. He's going through these things, um, but the purpose of him coming, uh, the, the Pharisees are watching him. So two times before this, uh, Jesus has healed on the Sabbath, and there's this um, conflict there. The Pharisees are seeking to discount Jesus. His very ministry is... Uh, attacking their their prominence um and the it says that they're watching him watching him carefully the uh one of the commentators mentioned that he he interpreted that greek as sinister espionage so they're not just watching him they are seeking to destroy him they're seeking to bring him down um and their purposes behind it are not good they've created this situation where they seek to catch him and accuse him um and then So there's that tension going on. There's all this washing stuff going on. And then all of a sudden, this man with dropsy just shows up. The the text says, and behold. It kind of reminds me of like when the angels appear, right? Just 
all of a sudden this guy uh, gets put in front of him with dropsy and dropsy is this medical condition where your head kind of swells up you retain fluid so your arms and your head and your your body parts are all like um swollen and you just you stand out um so this man with dropsy was invited but most likely he was a part of the the setup um, his invitation isn't out of care or love, but he's there for the purposes of the, the Pharisees. So uh, Jesus, the next part says, Jesus responds to the lawyers. Um, they don't say anything. He just responds to the situation. He knows their heart. He knows their t- intent. He knows their, their schemes. And he says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Um, proposing this question, uh, and it's wrapped up in all this context of ceremonial things. It's wrapped up in this context of... Uh, sinister espionage, Jesus is like, what are we doing here? Aren't we supposed to be doing good on the Sabbath? Have we forgotten that? That's what's behind his, his, um, his comment. Um, the word lawful is interesting. Um, it implies that there's an interpretation of the law that's needed. That's what the Pharisees do. That's what these lawyers do. Um, they take what was written, um, I think it said 42 generations before um, by Moses, and they interpret it for today. So similarly today, the Constitution doesn't have anything about drones. So we have to interpret that to see what does, what's the intent of that? What does it mean for today? Similarly with turning on the lights. The lights didn't exist. So the Pharisees are constantly um, interpreting the law. And so they've interpreted the law to, to mean where it says do not work on the Sabbath to mean all of these additional things. They've, they've defined um, that carrying a mat is work. For example, we see that in one of the other healings in Luke. Um, so there's this interpretation that's going to happen. Um, so the question, do not heal. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Jesus proposes that to these people and says, what do you say? What is your interpretation? Um, they don't have a response. They don't want to. Uh, they're not there to hear from Jesus. They're not there to speak to Jesus. They're there to accuse Jesus. They don't necessarily want to hear any, they don't want to talk about it. They just want to watch him heal and um, then, then make accusations against him. So back in the Old Testament, when there is talk about um, healing, um, it's typically about Jesus being the healer. So where there, because there's not anything specific, it doesn't say do not heal on the Sabbath. It says do not work on the Sabbath. And so this interpretation has been made that healing is working. So Deuteronomy 32 says, see now, that I, even I, am he, and there is no God besides me, besides me. I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal, and there's none that can deliver out of my hand. So the, the healing part is um, all about God. And so for some reason, Jesus, I mean, the Pharisees have started to equate man's ability to heal with work. And they've just lost all the, um, lost that truth that it's, it's God that heals. Um, back in Exodus, where it does talk about the, um, Sabbath. Jesus is trying to take it back to the original meaning. Similarly to when um, he's asked about divorce, he takes it back to Genesis. He does the same thing here, and he, ta- he starts to talk about um, the sons and the, the oxen. So that's, that's coming from Exodus 24. Exodus 24 says, Six days you shall do work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. So by quoting this verse, Jesus is taking them back to the meaning, original meaning. Um, the Sabbath is established as a solemn day of rest, a time to set aside the, um, the work, the, the way that we provide for ourselves and for our families, to set that aside and have a time to focus on the Lord and to worship him. But then also it's a time to make easy the yoke for those who work for us or um, are a part of our business. And so when you allow your... Um, oxen to rest when you allow the son of your servant woman to rest the alien to rest so those people that work for you you're making their load lighter by giving them rest it's it's directly in conflict with what the pharisees are doing here on the sabbath they're making they're they're making the yoke heavy for the people that they're supposed to be leading um but then as jesus even like takes it back to exodus to help them try to understand he's trying to teach them um, he's not trying to put them to shame. He's not trying to win an argument. He's trying to teach them. He's trying to help them to um, think back to what the Sabbath is for and, like, where is your worship of God and where is your good that you're doing? 
Uh, the Pharisees say nothing. They're not interested in hearing. They're focused only on the accusation. They don't see Jesus as someone worth listening to. They've missed the miracle, and they've missed the teaching. <clears throat> so the great reversal, how does that play out in, in this place, or in this uh, episode? So the kingdom of God does not, in the kingdom of God, man does not exalt himself by establishing burdensome laws, stacking up um, acts of obedience for ourselves, putting others down by shaming them, by highlighting their acts of disobedience. Um, but in the kingdom of God, um, man is exalted um, after, when he humbles himself. Uh, he's, humbled, he's exalted through humble confession of our need for a Savior. It's through God, that uh, through Christ, that we find our righteousness, not through um, obedience to all these laws, not by being the most pious, by doing the least amount of work um, on the Sabbath, but it's only through Christ that we're lifted up, that we're made much of. Um, the spiritual principle, so this is, I think, um, you know, what do we do with this teaching on the Sabbath? How do we apply it today? So the spiritual principle for us, uh, one of the, one commentator called it the donkey in a ditch principle, which I thought was uh, really fun. Uh, so it was talking about how do we um, approach the Sabbath? If, if we do indeed find our righteousness in Christ, what do we do with the Sabbath? How do we honor God on the Sabbath? And so we can think through, um, do, if I have this to-do list, if I have these tasks, can I look at it and evaluate it as, is this a donkey in a ditch? Is this an opportunity to do good? Is this something that I can go and do for someone else? Or is this to-do list more about me continuing to provide for myself, uh, continuing to um, set myself up for uh, my next week um, versus pouring into the lives of others and doing good? And is there space in my week that I've set aside to um, have that solemn remembrance of God, to meditate on his truth, to meditate on his attributes, and me- uh, meditate on his character? Um, so we can look at our lives and, and have that donkey-in-a-ditch principle uh, that we apply to, to our um, Sabbath days. Uh, we see Jesus, Jesus is, and Jesus lives that out here. Um, Jesus does good on the Sabbath, both to um, this man with dropsy, somebody that um, the community at the time probably would have discounted, um, would have been naturally excluded. He's only included here as a, as a way to um, live out the purposes of the, the Pharisees. So he does good to him. And he does good to his enemies, these people that are um, set on um, taking Jesus down. Um, Jesus does good to them. He teaches them. He speaks to their hearts, and he points them back to um, how they can actually um, honor God with their lives versus what they're doing now. So that's episode one, um, end of the scene. So um, as we transition into the next episode, I want to remind us of the, the main point again. So this kingdom of God establishing a great reversal, honor no longer achieved through human effort, but through humble submission to God, demonstrated by a willingness to serve without excuse, those who are, are, who are unable to repay. Quick breath here for one second. Okay, so <clears throat> from, uh, so that's where the, the narrative beginning um, ends, is with Jesus' challenge or Jesus' question, is it lawful to heal? No response uh, by, by the Pharisees, both after the healing and um, after the, the teaching. So episode two, um, Jesus teaches that honor cannot be seized, but is received by God, received from God by those who humble themselves before him. So episode two is uh, verses seven through 11. So how... Again, the people respond to the teaching that, um, that Jesus gave them. No response um, from the Pharisees. And then they, they begin to, like, uh, jockey for position. So then next is time for dinner. So they've kind of had this uh, welcome time. Jesus maybe had been going through some of the ceremonial stuff. Now it's time to eat. And they respond to Jesus' teaching of, hey, humble yourselves, to, okay, let's just fight each other for who gets the best seat here. And so he's watching these people kind of um, jockey for position at the table. Um, the insidious espionage is over, and now the Pharisees are like, okay, now, I'm, now I need to sit close to the, the host so that my position in the community is known. I couldn't elevate myself through my um, accusations of Jesus. Now I have to kind of turn to this other uh, way of um, 
exalting myself. I kind of I haven't flown Southwest. Maybe some of you guys have, but I've heard that the boarding procedure is a little crazy. They just sort of open the doors and you run on and try to get <laughs> the seat you want. And so um, one of my coworkers was talking about an incident where he had chosen the aisle seat, then got up to let somebody in, and somebody tried to take his seat, and he had to get a little aggressive to to keep his seat. So I'm almost picturing some kind of situation like that where these folks are like really wanting the seat of honor. Um, so it's at at this situation at this site. Um, Jesus starts. Jesus goes into a parable, and if you remember back to the introduction, we talked about um, a parable can be a form of judgment against those who reject what they're hearing. So. Jesus has addressed them in plain teaching and then has been rejected, has had no response. And so now he's going to teach them another lesson, but this time uh, through a parable. Here's what he says. He says, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited... Go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes to, when your host comes, he may say to you, "Friend, move up higher." Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Um, so there's not um, a ton to try to add in here. It's it's pretty the narrative part anyway of the um, the description of the scene in the parable is pretty straightforward. Um, when you come to a wedding feast, it's better to take a less prominent seat and be invited up than try to take a prominent seat and be um, humiliated when you're um, asked to move further away from the host. So the, the great reversal plays out in that way. In the kingdom of God, honor cannot be seized. It can only be given. It is God who lifts up those who have humbly submitted their lives to him. Those with the closest seats to God um, will not... Um, will not be seized by proud, aggressive self-exaltation, but will be given to those who humbly submit to God. So the spiritual principle is pretty clear. Everyone who tries to exalt himself, uh, put, his, put, him, put his own self in a higher position, will be humbled. And he who humbles himself, will lower himself, lowers himself to a lower position, will be exalted. So being raised up or humbled can, hap- can happen now in this life. But ultimate fulfillment of this principle happens um, at the final return. So I think pausing there for a second, um, yes, we do have this teaching. We do have this um, spiritual principle that says that the one who um, humbles himself now will be exalted. That could happen in some of our life circumstances, but we shouldn't count on that. That shouldn't be our hope. Um, Ultimate fulfillment um, comes uh, at the return of Christ. There's wisdom and humility. So while exalting ourselves results in humiliation, Genuine humility before the Lord brings blessing. Um, there can be a, a temptation to um, <laughs> live this out uh, with false humility, though. So we can come into a place, take the lower seat, and wait for when am I going to be exalted now? Um, I should be exalted by now. When are they going to invite me up to my better seat? Because I really do deserve that. That's where I belong. I know that, but I'm trying to be obedient to Jesus here. Um, Let's caution ourselves against that. Um, if we do want to truly um, humble ourselves, um, we're doing that with the expectation and the hope that that exaltation gets um, fulfilled at the return of Christ, and it's through Christ, um, not through our own works or not through our own worth in any way. So uh, how does Jesus—where do we see Jesus in this principle? How does he live it out? So um, his—, his uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, um, Jesus' entire ministry— um, he's content with his place in the lower um, position. The entirety of Jesus' life points to this spiritual principle. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming, an, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the time, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Christ, that Jesus Christ is the Lord. To glory be to God, to, to the glory of God the Father. Um, 
the spiritual principle of um, lowering ourselves, humbling ourselves, um, taking ourselves to a place of a lower position, being okay with um, being uh, ridiculed, being um, not listened to, being rejected. Um, even going back to, to Hebrews where it talks about all of these people who had had faith in God were sawn in two and thrown in jail. Um, all of these things, are we um, willing to humble ourselves to a lower position um, where we open ourselves up um, to hard things? Um, we follow in Christ's footsteps um, when we embrace that. Um, that's what Jesus did, and that's what um, this parable is calling us to do. Um, so then uh, from there, uh, that's one through seven quickly. So, and then that, that parable is addressed to the crowd. So everybody that's jockeying for position, Jesus is speaking to a bigger audience there. Um, and then as soon as he finishes his last word, it's almost as if he then turns to the host one-to-one um, and starts right into another parable. So it's really quick, kind of, you know, if you're watching Netflix, it one ends, another one starts. You don't even have time to decide if I want to watch this again. You're, you're just into it. You're into the next episode. And that's sort of what um, the picture that we get here. So in episode three, Jesus calls us to engage in intentional ministry to those with physical and economic needs without expectation of a word, of reward. Um, so he says, so this is uh, verses 12 through 14. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Um, again, pretty basic um, narrative here, pretty basic instruction. Um, and um, Jesus is transitioning from speaking to the attendees directly to the host. Um, at, and he's doing that in response to his perceived makeup of the, the guest list. So Jesus takes a look around. Um, he sees that everybody is more or less friends and family of this um, of the host. And Jesus takes the opportunity to instruct him on to how, to, how to better honor God with his Sabbath dinner through the attendings that he chooses to include. Um, and then a note here that was kind of neat as I was reading, it was, it stood out that there's grace and mercy being shown here by Jesus. This isn't necessarily a parable. It's just straight instruction again. It's, um, though, when you have a dinner, don't invite these people, invite these people. So Jesus is again trying to engage this host with plain teaching um, and uh, giving him the opportunity to hear and to change and honor God. Um, so there's a couple of phrases I want to look more closely at. Do not invite your friends. So there can be a um, maybe a temptation, maybe a mishearing um, of this that we don't have our friends over anymore. So this church, one of the distinctives of this church that makes it so great is that there's such a culture of hospitality here. I think that um, there's always someone, uh, I'm either at someone's house or someone's at our house. Um, whenever I speak to people, they're talking about who was over. Um, please continue to do that. Uh, please continue to have each other in your homes for fellowship and encouragement. We must um, continue to be around each other, to stir each other up to good works. Uh, being obedient to these sermons comes by, by being in community together. So um, yeah, make sure we hear that, we, we land that. But the focus of this teaching is on repayment. So I think we can look back at the previous episode where we saw Jesus alluding to the fact that um, the guest list um, includes so much like social networking. Everybody's there to try to elevate themselves. Um, it's a way that to display in the community, okay, if I sit next to this host, that displays that I'm um, actually important here. So when your guest list includes um, the people that you're either trying to curry favor with or maybe somebody that can repay you, that's really the, um, the caution for uh, the teaching and the instruction by Jesus to not invite your friends. So I think um, an evaluation of, of your list, um, when we have each other over to our homes, that's not to make our name greater or to elevate ourselves in the community. When we as a church body have each other over, we're doing that for fellowship and encouragement. Um, but if there are other places where we're having people over in the community um, as a way to elevate ourselves, 
Um, that's, the, that's what Jesus is cautioning us against. Um, so the great reversal. In the kingdom of God, relationships are no longer transactional, but built on selfless care and generosity. So this teaching ca- calls for gospel-centered, other-focused relationships um, for the purpose of um, serving those with special needs, with disabilities, the poor, the naturally overlooked and excluded. Um, and all that's done for um, eternal purposes, not for our own elevation or our own um, for the attention upon ourselves. So the second phrase I want to look at is unable to repay. So we can look at that in a couple different ways. Uh, unable to, um, we could look at it literally, meaning that the lame, the blind, crippled, depending on their condition, they may not actually be able to say the words thank you. It may just be impossible for them to put together those words or those thoughts that they need to be thankful to the um, the care or the um, hospitality that you've shown them. Um, so there's that, unable to repay, literally. But it can be also interpreted physically. So listen to this. Uh, if our aim is repayment or receiving thanks, we will be let down. Uh, those desires are not quenchable. Um, even if someone, even if some appreciation is showed, um, our flesh will desire more. Our pride is always telling us we deserve a thank you. We deserve a thank you. Um, so if we go into it with that as our aim, we will be let down. And it's, they're going to be unable to repay those desires that we have. Um, but Jesus calls us here to serve those people without expectation of repayment. Um, we're doing it for an eternal purpose, um, whether we receive a thank you or not. Um, we're just called to serve them. Another figurative take on it is probably the most encouraging, I think. Um, so if we're serving in a gospel-centered way, um, centered on care, incorporating the gospel into our conversation with these people, um, it could lead these people to Christ. And that's something that couldn't be repaid either. So it could be a literal, I don't know how to say thank you. It could be a figurative, like, hey, um, a, even a thank you is not going to be able to be, to, to satisfy our desires in the way that we might hope. Or uh, by serving and being obedient to the Lord and having selfless gospel-centered relationships, people could be led to Christ, and there's no ability to repay for that as well. That's a eternal repayment versus a uh, repayment in this life, which is where Jesus is pointing us that we will be repaid um, at the time of the resurrection of the dead. Um, yeah, so how are you feeling about this talk right now? How are you feeling about this uh, talk about serving without being repaid, right? Uh, setting aside time, opening up your life to people with special needs, to the poor, um, and all the hard things that could um, come along with that. Uh, does it make you feel comfortable or uncomfortable? Um, does it make you feel comfortable? Uh, uh, and if it does make you feel uncomfortable, it's understandable. Um, it made one of the dinner guests very uncomfortable as well. And so that kind of leads us into uh, fourth and final episode here. Um, episode uh, verse 15 says, when one of, so as Jesus has been talking about healing the people without repayment, um, going into these really hard areas, inviting people with difficult things going on in their lives into your life, and um, serving them selflessly without being repaid, uh, one of the dinner guests says, when, so verse 15 says, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So uh, commentaries were all over the place as far as, like, the meaning of this. Some said it was a common Sabbath evening saying. Um, some said he had just seen the Jesus go directly to the host, and he was like, hey, don't talk to don't now direct teaching to me. He's trying to kind of deflect the conversation because he was maybe the next one over. Um, but Or he's just trying to change the subject overall. Like, I don't want to talk about serving these people anymore. I want to talk about the kingdom of God. That's what I would really, let's talk about that instead. Um, I'm sure we've all been in an awkward situation where the topic goes somewhere that we don't want to talk about that anymore. So we try to change the subject. And I think that's more or less what he's trying to do. What he's, trying to do. he's either trying to shift focus away from him 
or change the subject. And the changing of the subject is another instance of Jesus' teaching not being received but rejected in the hearts of the attendees. So Jesus has just poured out this very plain teaching. Um, The guy says, oh, let's talk about something different instead. So Jesus' response is with another parable. So this is the episode four, final episode, and this is the parable of the, um, the great banquet. So this is what it says. But he said to him, so this is in response to uh, the man trying to change the subject. Uh, Jesus said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at, the, and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what are you? What you have um, commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel the people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who are invited shall taste my banquet. This parable is aimed at addressing the common misconception that the kingdom of God would be exclusive, made up of only godly Jews engaging in an everlasting feast with the Messiah, at a banquet table from which they would never get up. And that entrance was based on either obedience, self-exaltation, or affiliation with Abraham. So this banquet that this man has in mind where he's like, hey, let's talk about this banquet that we're all going to. We're all sons of Abraham here. We're all on the Sabbath, not turning on the lights. We're all going there. Let's talk about that instead. Why are you telling us to serve these people that we don't want to serve? What's the deal with that? Um, but, um, that's a misconception that this, um, parable of Jesus is about to, um, start to address. So the parable starts with an invitation and there's actually two invitations. First, the invitation is sent in advance and that's the purpose to tell the date. Hey, on this day in the future, I'm having a banquet and I want you to come and you to come and you to come. Um, it's going to be really fun. Second, it's sent on the day. So the servant goes out and tells these people who have been invited in advance, preparations have been made, everything's ready, doors are open, come on in. So it begins with a banquet is coming, transitions to the banquet is now, come in, everything is ready. The servant finds the hearts of those originally invited not set upon the banquet any any longer, but upon the details of their own kingdoms. Oxen that they've purchased, land that they need to go check on, family issues that they need to attend to. So, um, hey, when the banquet is coming, hey, that sounds great, but the banquet is now come inside. Um, the excuses and the um, thoughts and the concerns of their own lives uh, cause them to um, ask to be ex- excused. Um, and it wasn't just these three people who said, oh, I have oxen, oh, I have a family, I have a field. But it, but it says um, in verse um, 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. All that had been invited in advance with one accord began to make excuses. It wasn't that they cannot, but instead that they will not. So there's great danger in excuses. Uh, Spurgeon had a great quote, excuses are curses, and when you have no excuses left, there will be hope for you. Um, The hope of going into this uh, banquet with the Messiah um, was dashed. It was um, no longer possible because they made excuses. When the time actually came, there were other things more important to them than um, actually going in. So in my notes, I wrote this personal application. Uh, Making excuses related to the things of this life for why you cannot respond to the commands of God should be a trigger 
or an alert for you that your heart's not right. Um, that was just so helpful that um, I think I'm prone to complain. Maybe some of you would agree. Maybe you wouldn't agree, but um, it's actually the truth. Um, I, I can hear myself get into these complaining seasons or complaining days or complaining responses. I'm even when I don't attend to, but um, the, the call and the danger of excuses um, for me, and I hope for you as well, that that can be a trigger, um, that a pause is needed, some prayer is needed, um, a look at, hey, am I thinking about oxen and my wife and my land here, or am I thinking about the great banquet, eternal things that are coming? Because if I'm making excuses about following the Lord, most likely my mind's not um, focused on on eternal things any longer. I'm focused on my own kingdom and my own th- on my own life. Um, so at the rejection and the refusal of the invitation, the master's angry, but he's eager to fill his banquet. He's eager to fill it. He's not excited that it's now even more exclusive. He's excited to fill it. It's not an exclusive banquet. He wants this house filled. And he's invited enough in the beginning to fill it, and now they've rejected it, and he wants it filled. Um, He sends his servant out to the streets and the lanes to bring in the poor, the crippled, and the lame. So that bring in um, the Greek kind of... uh, Context and, and um, interpretation of that bring in. It implies like a leading by the hand, picking up, carrying in, um, escorted with care and service. So those that are um, unable to bring themselves in, those that are poor, lame, blind, there's this call to go out into the streets and lanes. Those people that we would walk past without including them, um, bring them in. And after these are brought in, there's still room. So the servant is urged to go out to the highways and hedges to compel the people to come in. So along the highways and hedges, those are talking about um, maybe people who don't have the physical things going on, but maybe lifestyles that we wouldn't want to be starting to get involved in either. So it mentioned tramps and beggars, uh, Gentiles also included there. Um, And compel is implying a by any means necessary. So driving to, constraining force, (laughs) threats, permissions, treaty, please come in. I compel you. What do I need to do to convince you that you're invited to this and that all preparations are made and you're worthy to come in? The world may tell you that you belong here on the street. The world may tell you that you belong on this highway, near these hedges, um, on these lanes. I compel you. What can I do to convince you that the master of this house wants you here in his banquet and that you're invited? That's, that's what the servant's called to do. And when, if we're in Christ, we get to participate in that, right? Um, compelling the people to come in. So how does this great reversal that we've been talking about play out in this, um, this parable? The kingdom of God will be fully filled, populated by those responding to God's invitation to be one of his people, not by our own efforts or affiliations. It's not who our parents are, not who our ancestors are, not what nation we belong to, not how good we are, but it's the responding in faith to the invitation that God, um, that God has extended to us. That's how the great banquet, that's how the kingdom of God will be filled, and it will be fully filled. Everybody um, who's supposed to be there will be there. Uh, what's the spiritual principle here? Through Christ, there is provision for as many as may come, and at the first coming of Christ and his death and resurrection— the preparation for the great banquet is, is complete. Everything that's needed to be able to come into this banquet um, is done. It's um, the righteousness of Christ um, and the ability for it to be um, applied to us and Christ's death on the cross and our ability to, uh, and the ability for our sin to be applied to him. All of that provision has been accomplished at the first coming death and resurrection of Christ. So, um, addressing the misconception of that, um, again, that, the misconception of the kingdom. So, um, listen to Isaiah 25, 6. Um, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples. Here's what's coming. Here's the banquet that's coming. And um, I think what was being looked forward to but, but was missed. On, the, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food a feast of well-aged wine, or rich food full of marrow, 
of aged wine well refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all the peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away all tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. It will be said on that day, the day that it happens, right? Um, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Jesus is pointing out, like, that day for the feast to occur is now. When we look back at the description that the prophets talked about, this coming kingdom, um, Jesus is saying, that's now. And I'm making the provisions. Uh, the provisions are complete through me. Um, respond, just like um, God is saying we should. We've waited for this. We're so thankful for this salvation. The veil between us and God is removed. All of our tears will be wiped away. All of the um, veils over the nations uh, will be removed. Let's be glad and rejoice in this salvation. He points out that Israel is responding in one accord, not in this way, with rejoice and gladness, but with excuses. So they'll be excluded. But it's the Gentiles who have the response described in verse 9. All those that were along the, um, the hedges and highways and lanes and streets, those are the ones who, when they hear about this um, great banquet that's there, that they're invited to, they will respond with gladness and, joy and rejoicing. And then it's just over. <laughs> we get to the end, and it's just done, right? Um, he finishes that parable, and the night's over. The next, cha the next section talks about Jesus teaching to great crowds. So the night just ends. Um, I assume that um, that indicates that there's no response to um, this teaching either. Um, the night of the Pharisee's house is all wrapped up. Jesus taught spiritual gospel-centered lessons to the Pharisees as a group, to the, atten to the attendees, to the host, and to the one reclined with him at the table. He called them to set aside, set aside attempts to exalt themselves and to humble themselves before the Lord, to selflessly care for the lame, the poor, those with special needs, and to respond to the truth that the final preparations for the great banquet have been made and that the time to go in is now, and that those preparations are made through him. They respond with silence, changing the subject. Um, so let's don't do the same. What are we going to do? How will you respond? And so here's a couple thoughts um, of application. So for those of us that are believers, those of us that are in Christ, those of us who um, have accepted uh, this invitation, um, have been, um, we do have Christ's righteousness applied to us through his blood, and we've made a profession of faith that we need a Savior and that um, our only hope is in Christ. How will you respond? What will you do? So we consider Jesus' call to humble yourself, to set aside any pursuits of self-exaltation to serve all peoples, those with special needs, those who oppose us, those who are not a part of our normal circles. Um, will you embrace the hardship and the suffering that can come along with serving these people who cannot repay, um, who literally may not even be able to say the words thank you for getting that fulfillment until Christ's return? Will you answer that, and will you look for ways to do that um, in your life? We join the servant to bring in and compel those along the streets and lanes and hedges to respond to God's invitation. Or will you change the subject? Will you seek to shift the conversation back to a more comfortable topic of conversation? Will you point to the busyness of your life, your commitments, or not respond at all? So that's if we're in Christ, we have that evaluation and that, that challenge from this, this section. But if you're not a believer uh, today, if you haven't made that, that uh, profession of faith, if you... Um, maybe even think, hey, I'm too bad to um, be invited into this kingdom thing that you're talking about. I compel you. Um, reconsider and respond to this invitation. You are invited. The master wants to fill his banquet with as many of these broken people as necessary. I mean, as, as possible. Um, and that invitation is a topic that must be considered. We can't run away from it. We can't change the subject. God is bringing, bringing to you today um, this invitation. And there's not an opportunity to run and hide. You must answer in some way. 
yes, I accept, or please have me excused. You can either respond with glad, rejoicing at what Christ has made possible for you, or you can change the subject and um, ask to be excused. Um, So if you're feeling dismissive this morning, if you're not in Christ about all of this teaching, if you're feeling dismissive or just ready for this to be over, (laughs) I get it. It's uncomfortable, uh, but don't change the subject or choose not to respond. Um, It is okay to go and talk to God about this. God is not somebody that's going to be mad at you. God doesn't get angry in this text about, I have, have, nobody asks questions. Nobody says, hey, I don't know that I'm good enough. Please help me understand what the purpose of this invitation is. That's not what God gets angry about in the text. Um, There's anger at rejection. There's anger at not wanting to be a part of his kingdom. So if you do have doubts, if you do have things that you have questions about, go and talk to God about those things. He's the creator of the universe and he can handle it and he'll bring peace into your heart. Um, and he'll bring somebody across your path to talk to you about it. I'm confident of that. Um, but if you're leaning towards response of a glad, of, if you're leaning towards response of a glad rejoicing this morning at the salvation available to you, respond. Go to God. Humble yourself before Him. Confess your need for a Savior. Acknowledge, acknowledge that through Christ alone you can be part of His kingdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Um, Father, thank you for um, the things about yourself that you teach us through it. Thank you about thank you for the gospel um, of Jesus Christ that we see um, here as we um, read through your text this this uh, this morning. God, I pray that you would help each of us um, to have a stirring in our heart um, today about what we've heard. Um, God, I pray that uh, if we are Uh, in Christ, if we're one of your children, that you would um, work in our hearts and help us to open our eyes and see um, where our guest list um, needs to be expanded, where we can care for those that are naturally excluded, maybe where we're um, doing that caring, but we are expecting a return, and it just eats at us, and we're angry. Um, All of these things, God, are present in some form or fashion in our lives. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes and just move through the spirit to help us to see not necessarily even big changes, but small things, ways that we can refine our lives and be more obedient to you and live in a way that brings glory and honor to you. But if we're not in Christ today, God, I pray that you would um, stir through the Holy Spirit and um, just help to bring about, um, uh, help them, help these people who are um, in need of you to see that you're the only hope that there is a banquet that will, will happen. Um, there's a time with you uh, for all eternity where we will never be in need, where there will be no tears. All of the pain all that, are, that is caused by sin will be defeated, and we'll be with you forever. Um, and that, that, doesn't mean, that doesn't require um, effort to get there, but it, it requires humble submission and acceptance of the invitation that's been offered. Um, so we just ask that you would work in our hearts in these ways uh, moving forward. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org. Thank you.